Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. And here's what God's Word says to us today. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. May God add a blessing to the reading of Holy Scripture. Heavenly Father, today we ask You, to give us understanding and enlightenment. Teach us by the power of Your Spirit. Renew our minds through Your Word. Convict us about whatever level of application we need from this text today. And we claim that promise that Your Word will not return void. It's in the name of Christ Jesus we pray and ask these things. Amen and amen. In just a few months, I'll, I'll turn 38 years old. 39 years old, excuse me. 39 years old. And I went into vocational ministry at a young age started technically when I was 19. And so um, in just a few short months, I'll be celebrating roughly 20 years in some type of pastoral ministry, whether that was as a, as a pastor or as an assistant pastor. Uh, but I have spent the entirety of my adult life in a ministry setting, in a ministry context. And so you can imagine after nearly 20 years, and I'm sure that Pastor Tim could say the similar thing to what I'm about to say. And I know Brother Whitman could tell me some stories. You, you hear some things, don't you? You hear, you hear some stuff. I mean, I've heard all kinds of stuff. Many things that I can't even say from this pulpit today. <laughs> and one thing that I've heard many times over the course of my ministry and even my life as a Christian, I've heard people say, well... I would be a Christian, but those people are so mean. 
Or I've heard others say to me as their pastor, you know, I think I could be a pastor if it weren't for the people. I love Christianity, I've heard folks say. I just don't like Christians. And a primary reason that we face difficulty in the church and oftentimes why we are embattled in our community is because of people, people who sometimes aren't acting like the people that we're called to be. And the Apostle Paul is facing a problem that he's addressing here in the church at Galatia. He's illustrated a major problem recorded in chapter 2 by a conflict that he had with Cephas. Now, you might know him by another name, Peter. And that problem took place in Antioch. And if you still have your Bibles open, I'm going to ask you to jump back up to verse 11. And let's read Paul's description of that problem that he had with, with the apostle Peter. He says in verse 11, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. He said, I got in his face. I thrust my finger right at him and I accused him basically is what he's saying. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like a Jew? Peter first had fellowship with Christian Gentiles, but when Jewish believers from Jerusalem arrived, Paul is describing for us that he ceased that fellowship because of the presence of the Jewish believers. And that gave the implication that Gentiles and Jews were not equally justified before God by faith alone. And so Paul is rebuking Peter for this and he's using it as a way to explain to the Galatian believers what God's justification truly involves. And so we'll see the outflow of that as we look at the remainder of this text this morning. I want to share this quote from William Barclay. Commenting on this text that we have read today, he warns of two dangers in the life of faith. He says, first there is the temptation to try to earn God's favor. And second the temptation to use some little achievement to compare oneself with our fellow men to our advantage and their disadvantage. As we look at our text before us today, beginning in verse 15, I see one of two things that I'll bring to your attention first. It says that justification is by faith. Justification is by faith. And we see this play out as, as we see the reference to Jews and Gentiles. Jews were very distinct from Gentiles. And the law had revealed to the people of God, to the nation of Israel, it had revealed to them the one true and holy God. 
And Gentiles had not received that direct revelation. And thus the Jews considered the Gentiles to be sinners. It says in verse 15, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And the problem, of course, that we begin to run into as we look at that is that the law never justified anyone. Paul emphasized that throughout the course of this writing. In verse 16, notice what he says. He says, We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. He says it again, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Three times in that one verse, he drove that point home. But still, so many today struggle with that concept. I've got to do more. I have to be good enough. I have to attend church. I have to, I have to give in the offering. I have to be nice to people. I have to check off all these boxes. I have to get my, my ticket punched because I've got to do it. Because it's all on my shoulders. We struggle with that concept. Just this past week, I was listening to a, a very well-known, very popular Bible teacher. And he said, see, right here in the Scripture, we see that we're saved by our works. And I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is he saying? Does he even understand what he's just said? Does he even understand that he has condemned people? Because the truth of the matter is, if it was up to me, I know right where I'd go. If it were up to me to obtain my salvation, there is no way possible. I'm so thankful for this text that says it is by faith, faith alone, in Christ alone, not by works. Now understood properly, that justification, that faith will produce certain things in our lives, but we are not saved by the works of our hands. And Paul is stressing this and driving it home. He's saying, you're not saved by keeping the law. You're not saved by your good works. You're not saved by anything that you've accomplished. You see, the problem with salvation by works is that the works don't work. They never will. But in contrast to what Paul says there in a negative emphasis, he also presents a threefold positive emphasis as he says over again, by faith in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Faith comes by, uh, justification comes by faith in Christ. Around 2006, I was given um, the privilege to serve on federal grand jury in the Eastern District of um, North Carolina. And if you've, never, um, if you've never served on a grand jury, be thankful, firstly. Um, it's a very intense and time-consuming process. We're not just talking about just going down to the local courthouse and, and sitting on a jury. That's not, that's not what I did. Uh, federal grand jury is a different level. And... It was supposed to be a one-and-a-half-year term, I believe, and it ended up being a three-year term. Um, I was on federal grand jury for about three years, 
when I went into uh, the grand jury room on that first day, um, Charity and I were we were young and in love, and you know just um, just you know no children on the way. And then by the time I was done, we had a daughter. And um, so it was, it was a long and a lengthy process. And I learned a lot of things about the, the legal process through the course of that two and a half, three years um, that have served me well in, in life and in ministry. It was a very enlightening time. And that was my first time serving on any type of jury. I was unfamiliar with the process of how grand juries work. And so in my mind that day as I'm driving over to Greenville, I'm envisioning myself sitting in a courtroom and, and Perry Mason is there and he's very quickly going through the facts and he, he's getting his conviction, you know. It doesn't work like that. It, it does not work like that. Perry Mason wasn't there. Um, <laughs> and in real life, it requires a lot of time requires a lot of listening to the evidence. And the purpose of a grand jury, if you're unfamiliar, is to give an indictment of probable cause. We weren't determining guilt or innocence. We were just saying, based on the facts that you have presented to us, there is probable cause that this person may have committed this crime, and so we're giving the federal government permission to prosecute them. And so... We had to listen to all kinds of things. We had to see all kinds of things, evidence that was presented, and, and it, it, was, it was something. It was something. And our jury heard the case, and they evaluated all of this evidence, and then we rendered a decision, probable cause or no probable cause. Never guilty or not guilty, but just probable cause or no probable cause. And as I think back to my time on that grand jury, I often wonder what happened when those cases went to trial. I wish there was a way I could go back and I could see what happened. And when we turn in a probable cause verdict in the affirmative, did that person get convicted? Were they guilty? In my mind, I, I believed that most of them were because I saw the evidence. I saw the, the guilt laid out before that grand jury. As I think back on that process, I, I relate it to this text today as we begin to talk about justification by faith. Because the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, we are guilty. There is probable cause. There is even more than probable cause. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you have your Bibles still open, turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, begin in verse 10 with me. Just a few verses that we'll look at. It says, As it is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of, the venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes." Now, us sanctified people, we read that and we think, yeah, that's exactly right. Look at all these heathens out here. Look at all these terrible people in the world around us. 
I saw the news. I know what happened yesterday. You know, this is awful world that we live in. But I want to be careful to, to focus rightly this morning. It's not just talking about those people out there. It's also talking about those of us in here. None is righteous. No, not one. It doesn't say, well, you're righteous if you go to church on Sunday morning. It doesn't say you're righteous if you give in the offering. It doesn't say if you're a good person, you're righteous. It says none is righteous. No, not one. No one seeks for God. They have turned aside. They've become worthless. No one does good. Their throat is an open grave. There's venom in their words. Their mouth is full of curses. Their feet are swift to shed blood. They haven't known peace. There's no fear of God before their eyes. We are guilty. And the difference between that earthly trial that I was just speaking about and our need for spiritual justification is we already know we're guilty of sin. We don't need a trial to determine that. And we can never be declared not guilty. But instead, God, by His grace, has provided salvation in Christ so that in Him God can declare us righteous. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might be the righteousness of God. How is it applied? We find out in Philippians 3 verses 8 and 9, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Did you see that? It depends on faith. In the book, The Heart of the Church, Pastor Joe Thorne writes some things about justification that I want to quickly share with you. He says that this righteousness that we're reading about in our text today is not just infused into our souls, but it's to be declared righteous by virtue of our union with Jesus. He says to be justified is to be pardoned, purified, and perfected in the sight of God through the death of Christ on our behalf. This is the foundation of our peace with God. This is the doctrine that frees the conscience to rejoice, worship, and approach God without fear of judgment. Though we have sinned, do sin, and will continue to sin in this life, we can rejoice that God has forgiven it all. We can worship and obey God, and though such acts are imperfect, they are considered perfect by God because of what Christ has done for us. Thanks be to God. And so I would ask you this morning, are you relying upon who you are or what you have done to give you right standing before God? This is where the truth of the gospel must first probe. What are we relying on? What are we trusting in for our standing before God. Our text tells us today explicitly that justification is by faith. And it happens 
in you and me as by faith I believe in Christ. But as we move ahead, we also see that it happens because of Christ's faithfulness. Justification is possible because of Christ's faithfulness. He first describes it in relationship to the law, and we see that in verses 17 through 19. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Verse 17 refers to to Christian Jews because they were condemned by the law. They sought righteousness in Christ apart from the law. Yet notice what he's saying here. He's, he's, He's saying, well, we don't consider ourselves sinners like the Gentiles do. Jewish believers in Christ. We're still saying, hey, we're not as bad as those folks over there. We're, we're nothing like them. Pot, meat, kettle. And then, then he asks a very interesting question. Does Christ promote sin when He provides salvation separate from the law? And Paul says, well, of course, of course not. And therefore he goes on to assert that if He presented a way of salvation by works of the law, that He would become a transgressor of the, the spiritual truths that he had consistently preached. He says, For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. The law's effect on the Apostle Paul, he tells us in verse 19, was for him to die to all human effort to fulfill it. To die to his effort to obtain righteousness. And so now he describes justification in connection to Christ. And we see that in verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, he says. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In the eyes of God... Every Christian, every follower of Christ is co-crucified with Christ, so to speak. His crucifixion was our crucifixion. And the result, Paul tells us, is that believers now live in Christ by faith. And that's only possible because of Christ's love, because of Christ's voluntary sacrifice for our sin, not because of any works of righteousness that we have done. It says in verse 20, who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21 tersely concludes that if justification comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Justification by faith is not, is not the reason for Christ's death. It is the, or a reason. It is the reason. It was the point of the cross. And so I want to break it down as we draw to a close this morning to its simplest form. No amount of work will save you.
No good deeds will save you. No kindness, faithful church attendance, tithing, just simply being a good neighbor, that's not good enough. You can't earn it. But it is free. And it frees you from yourself. It frees you from sin. And it allows you, as Paul says, to be crucified with Christ. So that it's not yourself who who lives, but Christ who lives in you. And how is this made possible? Because He loved us. And He gave Himself for us. John Murray writes that the Scripture undoubtedly states that we are justified by faith, from faith, through faith, and upon faith. It would surely seem impossible to avoid the conclusion that justification is upon the event of faith or through the instrumentality of faith. God justifies the ungodly who believe in Jesus, in a word, believers, And that is simply to say that faith is presupposed in justification, is the precondition of justification, not because we are justified on the ground of faith or for the reason that we're justified because of faith, but only for the reason that faith is God's appointed instrument through which He dispenses His grace. How do you receive the grace of God? By faith. Justification means that we have been declared righteous. One minister wrote that church becomes a place where nice, pleasant, bland persons stand in front of other nice, pleasant, bland persons, urging them to be nicer, more pleasant, and more bland. Jesus didn't die to create nice, pleasant, bland people. He died so that sinners would find grace and forgiveness and in the joy and exuberance of their discovery would find it impossible to keep quiet about it. Amen. Justification by faith is central to gospel proclamation. We are not faithful if we don't proclaim justification by faith, made possible only by the grace of God and the sacrifice of Christ. It's because of faith. It's made possible by our Lord's faithfulness And so now our duty to those of us who believe is to be faithful in its proclamation because the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and who gave Himself for us. This is God's Word. It is for us as people. And I say thanks be to God for it. Heavenly Father, we thank You today for Holy Scripture. And I pray that it would be in us. I pray today that we see, even despite my feeble attempt to describe it, that justification is by faith and nothing else. I'm so thankful to know that I don't have to secure my salvation. It's been secured for me. That I don't have to earn it or even try to keep it. 
because that free gift has been given. My account is settled. And I pray today that every person in here can say that same thing and they know that that is their their future and their hope as well. But if not, Lord, convict today by the power of Your Spirit. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so the Word of God has been heard today. We ask You, Lord, by Your Spirit to do the work. Father, I pray that You would help us to be faithful in our proclamation of the Gospel. That we would always hold in high esteem the doctrine of justification by faith, not of works, so that none of us can boast. Lord, we thank You for the faithfulness of Christ who loved us and who gave Himself for us. It is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray and ask these things and God's people said, Amen and Amen. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There, you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.